You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. Hey guys, today I am interviewing Jennifer Tracy from the MILF podcast. Uh, Jennifer reached out to me recently and said, Hey, you know, I think we'd be like kind of fun to have a podcast episode with you. And I was like, MILF podcast, I'm in. I need to hear more about this. So I was like, Okay, let's do that. So welcome, Jennifer. I'm so happy to have you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jen. I'm really stoked to be here. And we are the Jens from Opposite Coast. So you're out in LA and I'm here in New York. And, yes. Um, you're, this is why you're smiling so big. <laughs> and I'm like, get me out of here. But oh. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's finally starting to warm up. So good. I'm be happy for like a few months at least. <laughs> good, good, good. Springtime. Yeah. So, all right. Before we get into all the good stuff, tell everybody a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Um, well, let's see. I am the host of a podcast called MILF Podcast which is a double entendre. It's the original meaning, but it's also the subtitle of my podcast is Moms I'd Like to Follow. Uh-huh. And um, so, <laughs> That's so, so cute. Because if you don't know what it really stands for, look it up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we're allowed to swear on this show. Right? Is that okay? Fuck yes, it is. <laughs> Every, if, I, if my episode doesn't have a little E next to it that is explicit, I feel like I failed in life. So, <laughs> okay. So we just... We so, just accomplish that. <laughs> yes. So the original acronym, which is moms I'd like, uh, mom I'd like to fuck was something that was so, has always been compelling to me, especially after I sort of, after my son was three and then four and in preschool and I kind of just woke up, I had been treated for postpartum depression. I didn't know I had postpartum depression for the first two and a half years of his life. And it was just so bad. And then I got treated and I had medication and therapy and I was like, oh my God, I'm still here. Like I'm still alive. I want to do stuff. And I started pole dancing. I I like just at the same time, I realized that my marriage wasn't working and we worked really, really hard to try to revive it. Um, eventually we did separate and divorce very amicably. But the point is I had this sort of resurgence of sexual awakening and sensual awakening, not like, like just enjoying. And that's why I love the title of your podcast, Shamelessly Feminine, because I had not really experienced my feminine since I had gotten pregnant and was pregnant. Like that time for me was so blissful. And then I had my baby and it was just like, fuck, like, what did I do? And I loved him and I did feel connected to him. I know some sometimes postpartum can be reported as not feeling the connection. I did feel the connection, but I just felt incredible anxiety coupled with depression and overwhelm. And so this rebirth, you know, when he was three and four, of feeling sexy again led me to writing my first novel, which at the time I had entitled MILF. And then when I started the podcast, I was like, no, 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 the podcast needs to... And I have since retitled the, the novel. It's called Honey Pie. But uh, it's about a mom who becomes a dominatrix. But at the time, I thought, I want to I wanna call this Moms I'd Like to Follow with the twist of Moms I'd Like to Fuck being under the subtext. Because... For me as a mom, everything I've learned about being a mom and about how to do this, because it's just been 
trial and error and trial by fire <laughs> is from other moms. Mm-hmm. You know, not not really my mom as much. I mean, she's supportive in her own way, but I had to call other moms to be like, what do you do when they're teething? How do you get them to sleep? How do you, when do you do solid foods? Like I had no clue. I just, I really didn't. And I, and I beat myself up because I thought I should just intuitively know how to like soothe my baby and why is he crying and why is he, you know, so that was the, the impetus to start the show. And since then we're about 43 episodes in now and I love it. And I've heard you share on your show, I was listening in that you're loving that you get all this feedback from people that it's helping. And you know how good it feels to get an email from someone saying like, this is saving me, like listening to you guys talk and laugh and listen to your stories is like saving me from terrible loneliness. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you bring this up because um, yesterday I photographed Brooke, as we were talking about before, from Flirty Girl. And you guys maybe have heard her on the podcast before. She's been on twice, actually. And one of the things that we were talking about was, I mean, we got real deep. Like, I'm not going to like blow up what we were talking about because it's obviously personal. And, you know, I'll tell you what I talk about all the time, but I'm not going to share her story. But, um, you know, we were talking about a lot of heavy, deeply personal stuff and things. And I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't understand why we're not talking to each other more. Like it is, I just don't understand. We still have this stigma of, we have to be perfect. We have to be, you know, I can't admit to you that things aren't okay, that I'm struggling in my marriage or that I don't know how to parent my child. Like, by the way, I have a 13 year old daughter. I, I am drowning. Like I I don't know (laughs) how to parent a 13 year old daughter, you know, like the first time I've ever done it. Yeah. It's, but, but nobody, but everyone's like, how is everything good? Everything's right. good. Everything's right. great. Oh, my kid is on honor roll. My, you know, and I'm not saying you have to go around and be like Debbie Downer and be like, "Hi, Jen. Nice to see you. Here's all my problems." <laughs> so it's like there's, and I do have women in my life that I have that connection with. But I'm just saying, in general, I wish we could just talk about it more. I wish we could just be open more. I, I have to tell you, I've heard a lot of stories about postpartum depression. And sometimes I look back at the time when I had my daughter and go, I wonder if I had postpartum depression. Like I put two and two together with certain feelings and certain, like I felt a connection to my daughter, but I desperately wanted to be out of my house. Like I felt like like a prisoner. And I I remember feeling like I'm writing a book right now. And in the book, I talk about like looking out the window and seeing a guy walk his dog and being like, I am so jealous of that person who can just get up and go out and walk the dog. Like, you know, but, but nobody tells you what, what is, I hate to use the word normal, but what the normal range of transition is when you have your first child. Yeah. And you know, you don't know if you can say to your friends, like, I'm feeling kind of weird. Like what's happening right now? Are you feeling that too? And then God forbid they say, no, I'm not feeling that. Then it like explodes in your head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm going through that a little bit more, um, with changes in my body with menopause and, you know, all different, all different things. It's, it's so crazy. I say like women go through puberty and then their body changes consistently. Yeah. I think especially so much when they have children, because your body in a lot of ways is never going to go back to what it was. And I'm not just talking about what it looks like, because plenty of people look amazing after they have babies. I'm talking about like the functionings of the body and the definition of the body and all of that is like totally different after yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And it's, it's like you said, it's a constant change. I mean, then you have like you know, the leaking, like most women experience this leaking, but like nobody's talking about that or, or they're downplaying it like, Oh, ha ha. I leak too. And I do jumping jacks instead of like, and I had a, a physical therapist on the show who does pelvic floor, mm. um, work with moms, you know, 
prenatal, postnatal, um, she does pelvic floor strengthening with them. And she said, it's absurd that we just send off these women who've just delivered these bowling balls worth of, of mass yeah. and say, bye, you're good. You know, especially, you know, cesarean, cesarean section or not cesarean, like there should be some serious rehabilitation there. And so I do feel like, Jen, you're so right. And there's, there's a gap and I certainly don't have a solution for it, but there's a gap in the, in the resources or just the attention to postpartum in general. Like we, we don't have enough support. Like, I mean, I think they gave me a pamphlet at the, the, my son's almost 10, so it's a fuzzy memory now, but they gave me a pamphlet that basically said, don't shake your baby. Right. And I remember going, you have to watch a video before you leave the hospital. Did you have to do that in New York? I didn't have to watch a video. I have to watch a video about interesting. And I was like, forget this video. Where's the video on how I feed my baby and how I change my baby and how yeah. I function on no sleep and how I look at my husband ever again. Cause I'm so afraid he's going to do this to me all over again. You know, yeah. How, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, how about all those other things? How do I handle when my, you know, I'm not saying this happened, but I'm saying my mother-in-law comes over, my mother comes over and they're too overbearing. And how do yeah. I get that out of my hair? And how do sure. I, you know, like there's nobody talks about any of that stuff. No, it's just like, bye, you have a, you have a healthy baby. Good, you know, good luck to you. And, and then you're just floating. And we live in this very insular culture where we go to our homes, we have our internet, Amazon, you know, drones things over the house. So we don't have to go out and buy anything, which I'm not complaining. I love it. I use right. all those things. <laughs> But we're not out like in a communal space together other than digitally, which is great and helpful. And then like things like this are amazing, but we're not having those conversations. So I agree. And I, but I do see it changing. Like people like you and people like Brooke putting it out there, you know, people like me, you know, and really just even digitally, I'm just sorry. Just, yeah, no, no, it's okay. Even digitally. It's interesting. Cause like when I had my kids, this digital world didn't exist. Right. So if I had a problem, I read a book or I called my doctor, I didn't go on Facebook and say, Hey guys, I can't get my kids to sleep. What do I do? Yeah. As much as that's amazing. And there's uh, women out there that are doing work like this. Like my friend, Sharon, uh, so who I had on my podcast, she does parenting, you know, coaching and all of that. Um, so you can check out her podcast, you guys, but, uh, for the most part, we're getting information from like just whoever is giving it to us. And that can yeah. be kind of confusing also because there's a lot of misinformation or there's a lot of, well, my child doesn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. A lot of comparison yeah. or my kid is walking. It's, tw- you know, she's 12 months old and yeah. you know, you're like, oh, my kid's 14 months old and not walk. You know, there's a lot of that comparison. I think the digital world amplifies that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I know. I know. It's, I don't know how any of us, I don't know how we've kept procreating. I mean, thank God for sex and that sex feels good. I mean, it's so, it's brilliantly designed because otherwise we would all be like, don't ever do this to yourself. <laughs> you know, it's um, true. It's so funny. One of my, uh, and listen, I love my kids. I, mean, I, love, I, love I know. My kids. And we always say that because we have to, and we do it's it's, but both are true. Yeah. We love them deeply. And it's, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. All right. So talk to me a little bit about pole dancing. I'm so yes. intrigued by this because I think that, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor and I always say that people would always say to me, oh, you should just be happy you're alive. And I would say there's a big difference between being alive and feeling alive. So I'm still mm. working on finding things that make me feel alive. Like right now I've been doing a lot of Muay Thai and it makes me feel alive when I get to punch the shit out of things and like, yeah 
take my anger out that way. Um, But I love that you turned to pole dancing. So talk to me a little bit about that and how it shifted your mindset and your, maybe your body awareness. Cause I think after children, we're also very disconnected to our bodies. Well, first of all, congratulations on kicking cancer's ass. Um, That's amazing. And I'm sorry people say stupid shit to you because I think it's just so common. Like they just don't know what to say, but I applaud you. And I love that you speak about it um, often as I've heard you and um, you're, you're inspirational. So thank you for that. And yes, so feeling more alive is... So when I started, I went to a friend, a mom from preschool said, Hey, I'm doing this fundraiser for my friend who has leukemia. If you pay to take this pole dancing class, but she was already a pole dancer. And I didn't know much about her. We were friendly and we, our kids were friends. And I said, sure, that sounds fun, whatever. And I had been a belly dancer. You know, I, I came to LA to be an actress. So I had been a professional belly dancer. I had done a burlesque show. So, and I was, so I was no stranger to like being in my body and being scantily clad on a stage, but this was very different. So I go in it's all these women I don't know in a dark room, no mirrors and five poles. And I'm like, what is going to happen? <laughs> and this, so, is why, this is why people don't do it, right? Because it's scary. It, it seems scary, but the way that this particular studio has curated it, it's, it's very, the teachers are amazing and it's very loving and safe. And Basically, we took the class, did the warm up, and I felt so awkward in my body. And I'm a person that's, you know, like I said, I was a trained dancer of all my childhood, all my life, did yoga, did all those things. But this was different. This was like tuning into like your feminine and your sexuality, your sensuality. And I felt very awkward. And then at the very end of the class, my friend did the demo. So she got to demo her dancing. And, and I always tell this story. I always say the same thing. So I'm sorry if people are hearing this part again, but I, for a good two hours after watching her dance, I was like, am I gay? Like legitimately, (laughs) I'm not even being glib about it, but I was so turned on and turned up by watching her move. This woman that we've taught, we had talked for hours about everything you and I were just talking about because our kids were three or four at the time. How do you do this? How are you handling this? toddler meltdown? How are you? Da, 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 da. You know, do you do screen time? Like to conversations like that. So watching her strip off her t-shirt and be down in a bra and panties and like then scaling this pole, you know, on a 12 foot high pole and then turning upside down and sliding down at face first, gracefully and sexy. <laughs> I said, I want that. I want to, and I realized that I wasn't in fact gay, that I was like aroused to my own You were looking after the feeling versus the Yes, yes. And so I started this journey and I started taking pole class and and it's it's a six month, no, it's a year long journey class that they have. So you start from scratch, like where you just do the basic, basic movements. And they just basically teach you how to do this language within your body, following the curve of your body, following your sensuality. And then you watch other women dance and you get witness to dance. And it's all again in this dark room with no mirrors. It's not about form or choreography or anything like that. It's all organic movement that just translates into real life, like feeling alive, like you said, and feeling sensual and feeling vivacious. And I remember I had been taking the pole class for a couple years 
before I had taken pole, I mean, before when I was postpartum depression, I was just wear the most frumpy clothes like I am now, which I, I still do, but I would wear them out. Like I just didn't even care about my appearance anymore. I just was like, I just felt frumpy and I'm sure I looked frumpy because I felt frumpy and, um, and it didn't feel good. It didn't feel empowering at all. And so I remember going on a writer's retreat a couple years after I'd started taking the class and I just, you know, everything was changing for me. And I remember walking out and onto the little patio where everyone was writing. And one of the teachers said, Jen, you're just so sexy. Just, and I had like a sweatshirt on, it was half off my shoulder and it wasn't like I was doing anything. I didn't have makeup on it. And I think I had sweats and a sweatshirt on. My point is, it was just the way that I was carrying myself because of this work and because of this, like being aligned and tuned in with my feminine in a way that I had never been shown before by other women, you know, who paved the way for me. So the pole dancing was a profound, I mean, it changed my life. Mm. Changed yeah. my life. So yeah, do it, do it. Find a pole. I'm trying to do it. I can't yeah. find a place around here. You know, oh. it's, it's funny because I... I don't know if I can do it now because I have different strength in my upper body since I had my surgeries. Sure. But I'm like, I kind of still want to try. <laughs> I just want to try yeah. and see whatever I could do, I could do. But yeah, I think that that's amazing to do. You know, what, what, what I do is very similar in my boudoir photography that it seems scary, right? Yeah. But you go and it's a very comfortable place and it's a place where you can just let go and be yourself without any judgment. And, um, I think there's something very powerful in holding a space like that for women, yeah. you know, discovering your femininity is a confusing thing because we're not taught how to do it. We're taught yes. it's about the outside. It's about the lipstick and the high heels and the haircut and making sure you go out and you look pretty yeah. and you, you, know, you handle yourself a certain way. But like you say, it's really not about that at all. That's a side effect of how yes. you feel on the inside. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your journey in discovering your femininity. How, like, what changes did you see in your life? I know you spoke about it a little bit just now, but I mean, what, what other feelings, like, did it change relationships? Did it change your views on things? Did it, you know, not just the way you carry yourself, but how else did it affect your life? Yeah. Such a great question. Um, And yes, to all, it changed everything. I mean, the first thing was it really pointed up that my marriage wasn't working and I was able to speak to my husband directly and say, you know, this isn't working and I love you and I want it to work. And so we went into counseling and then it got a little better. And then because counseling couples therapy was so expensive and our insurance didn't cover it, we had to back off of that. Now, if I, I still, I don't, part of me does believe if we could have afforded to stay in couples therapy once a week, we might've been able to stay married. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, because I still love my husband, my ex-husband very much. It's just, it just, we couldn't, we couldn't meet eye to eye and there was no, um, without getting into it too much. Cause it's, that's another podcast, <laughs> but, um, so it pointed that up to me and allowed me to be in my truth in a way that I couldn't have before, because I was just denying all of those things that I knew were true. Like the fact that we weren't connecting, the fact that we weren't having sex, the fact that he was throwing himself into work, partly because I I won't speak for him, but I'm guessing he wasn't feeling connected either to me. You know, it's a 50-50 deal. It's nobody's, no one person's fault. So um, that changed. The kinds of women that I was around changed. I was finding myself aligning with women who were confident and empowered and wanted to cheer me on. I had found, oftentimes I had been friends with women 
not so much now, but like in my earlier years that there was always like a little competitive piece with, not from my side, but I felt like I had to dim my light a little bit. Mm. In this instance, it was like I was drawing to me other women, other moms, other, you know, single people who didn't have kids or who wanted to help, help me shine who wanted me to shine, who were encouraging me. And that felt so good. So I was like, I wanted more of that. Um, I started writing my novel. My creative juices were flowing. I started working. I started, you know, it, I mean, there was, I was still raising a toddler. So I was still pulling my hair out half the time. Or I don't know, are they still toddlers when they're four? I guess not. But like four, three, four, and five is so, so my God, it's just so hard. Um, but those kinds of things changed. And then, you know, I started coaching writers. I started at people ask me to, uh, look at their scripts and their screenplays, you know, friends They're like, can you, sure. And they would say, God, you're so good at this. You should really, you should do it professionally. So I said, okay, I started doing that. So it just opened up this portal of like potential and grace is the word that's coming to mind of just like stepping into myself, which is so funny. Cause I was 38 at the time when I started taking pole, but like it was really like a rebirth and, you know, a second act. Mm. Yeah. I talk about that a lot in the book about, I mean, that's what shameless, shamelessly feminine is essentially, right? Discovering that femininity and living it shamelessly. Yes. So you're such a great example of that. I'm curious if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? Oh, I don't mind asking at all. I'm 43. I'll be 44 this summer. Me too. When's your birthday? June 3rd. Oh, I'm August 4th. Okay. But we're oh, super, we're we're close. Super, super close. Are you a Leo? I am. Oh, you're Leo. I love Leos. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's oh, a, yeah. I think it might be hard to love a Leo. Really? I don't know. I think not if you're like the right match, but I think that um, maybe just because I am one, I think that like Leos are very interesting creatures. I don't know. Yes. Yes. They're a little, um, you know, people say like women are hard to understand. I think Leos are hard to understand in that same way. Like there's... Yeah. I mean, that's my experience too, but there's, um, it's like a lion that once you tame the lion and you can pet the lion, it's like the cuddliest, softest, you know, and you feel safe with that lion. Cause you know, they're loyal. They're like to the end. Yeah. So that's my experience with Leo's. Yes. I love Leo's. Yes. All right. Good. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> a few. Um, I was going to ask you a question. I got sidetracked by the Leo thing. That's okay. Sorry. I took you out of it. Oh, um, this is what I wanted to ask How old I was. Yeah. This is what I wanted to ask you about. So aging, can we talk about aging a little Let's bit? Let's do it. Let's get in there. Sexuality and sensuality, because I'm finding I'm having a really hard time right now personally with this topic and I'm only going to be 44 and I know that's not old and I, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, the, I, I was put into menopause because of my cancer and right man, I feel old. And mm. I find myself thinking old, like, mm. you know, I, and then I, like yesterday, even with Brooke, I had to take a step back and go, you know what? I'm 40. I'm going to be 44. I'm supposed to be in the prime of my life. I'm not yeah. ready to let go of who I am as a woman and, and all of these things. So I had to really change my mentality. I'm really yeah. working hard and changing my mentality of, okay, you know, you're not washed up. You're not old, but I'm feeling it in like, um, I don't recognize myself in ads on TV or I don't see myself in, you know, like I'm starting to go, wait, am I, am I a forgotten person already? Like we're mm. only in our forties. Are we forgotten right now? Mm. 
you know, and do you ever feel like that? Do you, are you experiencing that at all? Especially in LA, I would imagine it's like a very, you know, it's a very interesting thing where people are more heavily invested in what they look like. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an assumption, but I'm just saying, you know, oh, I, no, you're, I mean, you're dead on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, hmm. Do I feel like a forgotten person? I don't experience that. I know what you're talking about though. Like I do think it's starting to shift in media messaging where we're not seeing just the like wayfishly thin model who has the vacant look on her face. Who is she 12? Is she 15? Like, I don't know why is she selling me? Yeah. Is she 30? And she's selling me Lancome lipstick or is she like just did a, you know, needle full of heroin. I'm not really sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not experiencing that per se, but I will say that I have, you know, doing, doing my, my show and my, my Instagram stuff, like I've started doing these stories, right? And when you do a story on social media, I'm looking at my face and I'm really trying not to judge like the wrinkles on my forehead and, you know, um, that my skin tone isn't perfect. And I deliberately don't wear a lot of makeup um, because part of my, I guess, brand, you could call it, is that I really want to be as real as possible because I want women that I are in my community to feel like I'm very open about my flaws in all areas, physically, um, my aging. I'm very transparent about my age because I just feel like we've had enough of all this, like, oh, don't tell anyone how old you are and, you know, secretly get Botox. Like if I get Botox, I've gotten it a couple of times and I'll probably get it again soon. I'm, I say it because I'm like, yeah, of course I'm 43. I have wrinkles in my forehead. And if I, if it's all smoothed out, it's because I had Botox. (laughs) You know, know what's so funny? My 13 year old, she'll come over to me. Nobody's gonna be able to see this, but you and me, but she'll come over to me and like raise her eyebrows. And be like, how come I don't have those wrinkles you have when you do it? And yeah. you're just not old enough. Like you have to have some life experience before you get those wrrinkles, you know? And she yes. was like, I really want them. And I was Aww. like, go figure, you know, like she wants them. I don't. Like, isn't that just the craziest? Of course, thing? always. I think it's so interesting. I guess in my house, it's a little bit of a full circle moment because she's first going through puberty and I'm going through menopause. And we're like, you know, she's firing wow. it up and I'm tuning it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, this yeah. is I mean, I found myself, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I was at my gynecologist last week and we were talking about removing my ovaries and I just started hysterically crying. And it was mm-hmm. an unexpected emotion from me. Mm-hmm. Like I surprised myself right. and she was like, she was surprised too. She said, what are you crying about? Aren't you done having kids? And I was like, I don't know how I got from waiting in the waiting room with a big belly, like all those yeah. other women out there to having this conversation with you in a short yeah. nine years, you know, yeah. like. I like nine years ago, I was a fertile, young, you know, virile yeah. woman. And now we're talking about, you know, problems with menopause. And, yeah. and, and so those things, like they get in your head, you know, and, yeah. and I think for me, and maybe my experience is a little bit different because of what I've gone through with my illness, but I'm just like, how, how did this happen? And how do I get out of my head to make sure that I don't convince myself that I'm older than I actually am, you know, because yeah. we can do that. Like yeah. walk around and go, Oh, I'm old. I'm old. I'm old. And, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm starting to believe it. So maybe I need to stop saying it. Yeah. Well, and but I just want to point to the fact that not to throw your physician under the bus, but like 
again, as, as sending new moms out of the hospital, like, bye, you know, her reaction to you, like saying, saying to you, why are you crying? Aren't you done having kids? It's like pretty insensitive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. But also you've, you've had to have other body parts removed for, to save your life. And, you know, it's like, there's, there's, there's grieving that goes along with all of these stages that is natural and needs to be honored. And I just feel like sometimes our culture and our, our Western medicine society, and I love Western medicine. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm not like anti-Western medicine, but it doesn't have space, you know, maybe because of time or money or resources or whatever, but it doesn't have space to honor that. Like, of course, you know, you're saying goodbye to something that gave you your child Right. Something that, you know, I, so, and there's lineage and heritage in that. And like, I mean, so much, we could go off on a whole tangent, but I feel like that's where we can start by honoring that and maybe just allowing the space for like what you're talking about of like, well, I am feeling old. And what does that, what does that look like for me? And I, I'll speak to it for me. I need a lot more rest now. And I've really embraced that. I've really just been like, you know what? I can't grind the way I used to. Not like hip pelvic hip circles. I can grind, girl. That's a different story. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but like um, I can't grind myself into dust like I used to. Just go, 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 go. I can't. Like I'm, I'm right now I'm fighting a cold and my body is telling me, you know, and you shared in a beautiful... Um, one of your podcasts that was just you about self-care and really listening and tuning into your body. And I loved what you said about that. It's so true. Like our bodies tell us like, Hey, you need to sleep. You need to lay down. You need to stop looking at your Instagram. You need to sit outside in the sunshine for five minutes. And I'm really getting better for me. Getting older is getting better at listening to that and honoring it and letting it be, you know, two things can be true at once. Right. I can be vivacious and feel good and I can also need a nap. Right. <laughs> well, you're only going to be vivacious and feel good if you actually take the nap. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think it goes back to what we were saying before about femininity being internal and external in different ways. You know, when we, you know, what I said to my gynecologist when she said, oh, you know, we really want to take your ovaries. I said, why don't you just take everything? Because truthfully, if I don't need the ovaries, I don't need everything else. And right. less places I can get cancer. So just exactly. Take it. Yeah. So it's weird in one way, I'm hysterical about losing it. And the other way I'm like, take it all. But then I right. think to myself, okay, if I'm a woman walking around this earth with no uterus, no ovaries, no cervix, no breasts, no, th- how, what, how do I define myself as a woman? You know, like, and I realize how much stock we put into those body parts as being yes. femininity when really yes. femininity doesn't come from that at all. You can remove all of that and yeah. still be the most feminine creature in the entire world. Yes. But it's, it's, it's a job. It's, it's work. And I think yeah. um, maybe more so for me than somebody else just walking the street that doesn't that didn't have breast cancer or whatnot, but for everybody, you know, yeah. really for everybody to remember that we're not defined by you know, that, especially like I went through a period of infertility too. I mean, I was like, what kind of woman am I? I can't have a baby. Like what's, Mm. what's going on here? You know? And those are the things that people aren't talking about those feelings of how it affects you on the inside and the outside, not just, Oh, I'm having trouble having a baby. It's a matter of like, who am I as a woman, as a person? Yeah. 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 And just to go back to one thing you were saying on that, um, on that tip is, 
you know, we're not taught how to embrace our femininity from the inside. You were saying it's like all about looking on the outside. And also there's this double standard of like, okay, be really sexy, but not too sexy. And, you know, have a boyfriend, but don't have the, this kind of boyfriend and have sex, but not too soon and make sure it's like, Jesus, don't enjoy it. I don't even want to leave. Yeah. Don't enjoy it. Don't, you know, don't have too much sex with too many people. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Men don't have all those parameters. It's exhausting. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, my son, who's nine, I have a a nine-year-old son also. He keeps getting these FaceTime calls from these girls in his class. And one of the girls really likes him. And, you know, he and ha. Like, you know, then his his guy friends are calling him and going, I think this girl really likes you. Oh my gosh. You know? And I'm like, that's my boy. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) That's not how it works. (laughs) Like, No, like you need to teach him like to respect her and call her back and yeah. you know, like even at nine years old, like let's set some, yeah. some you know, rules yeah. here about what's going to happen because why yeah. should my daughter be the only one with the rules? Why is it? Oh, that's right. my boy. You know, it's exactly, it's such a different, exactly. world. I tell him all the time, I'm going to make you the best husband in the entire world. <laughs> I was like, all Aww. I have to do is you give me a good daughter-in-law and I will make you the best husband in the whole wide world. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> no, Winston. Stop it. I can't believe I actually, I still look at other rescue dogs online as if I'm going to get a third one. Oh my goodness. We have a it's rescue a, dog also. I mean, and he's so sweet. He just sometimes does this barking thing. Anyway, I apologize. That's okay. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about also is your, well, I wanted to open up a dialogue. It's not really a question, but more of a yeah. dialogue about the sexuality and femininity being tied in together, because this is something I certainly get some pushback on with the work that I do as well. Like, why is it that a woman has to take off her clothes to feel feminine and feel sexy? You know, my answer to that is, well, I really believe in shedding your clothes sheds your inhibitions because Mm -hmm. it really like shows who you really are. um, And it gives you an opportunity to just be that person without, you know, covering it up or whatnot. And I, and I see it happen with the women. So I know that it it is true, Mm -hmm. but there are times that I struggle myself personally and going, well, you know, am I doing a service by showing women so um, sensually because what I do is not about sex at all, you know? And so, but it gets very, the lines are blurry there, you know, because mm-hmm. are viewing it might say, well, she's being objectified, you know? And I say, well, she's not being objectified because she put herself in this situation. She wants to be like mm-hmm. this. You can't objectify a woman that's putting herself out there like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I do find for me, there is definitely a connection between the femininity and the sensuality or sexuality. And I'm wondering what your view is on that why do they live so closely together? Is that, is it a power? Is it a confidence? What, what is that? Well, I mean, I think if we go back to, you know, archetypally, like women, you know, take for example, like ancient Egypt and belly dancing or Greek goddesses, or there's a, there's a sensuality that comes with a certain kind of empowerment, right? So you have like a beautiful woman who's adorned with sequins or beaded dress or, I mean, that's, and that's throughout the ages, right? There's something that is objectifying about that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with objectification. I like to be objectified when I want to be objectified, kind of like what you were just saying. And so, you know, through the ages, there's this, there's this power 
a great deal of power and, and beauty uh, in beauty and sexuality. And I, I'm, I'm forgetting the, um, the name of the Greek princess, but there was the one that they, they had the war over her. I'm totally messing it up. Anyway, beauty and love and the desire for sex and lust make people go to war and do crazy shit. That's how powerful it is. And I think that's also why, not to get too into this part, but like, that's why the patriarchy wants to keep women, you know, locked up and yeah, in their place, in their, in their, in their box, so to speak, because when women are empowered and when women are sexually empowered, they're unstoppable. I mean, and I've just seen it over and over again. I mean, take Brooke, for example, like she is like skyrocketing and she's empowered. She's sensually and sexually empowered and she's empowering, sexually empowering other women and giving that gift. And she will talk about, and she talked about this on my podcast, that she gets a lot of flack from women, you know? And it's very interesting because that's just not a commonly held belief system that being sexual, being sensual is being empowered. I have had friends and I had this, a colleague that I worked with. She could not, she was older. So she was like a second wave feminist from like the sixties and seventies. And she said, I just, it's just got like, I don't understand. Why do you wear stripper heels and like swirl around a pole? It's so demeaning. It's so demeaning. Like it's not, it's so empowering. It's like, we're taking this thing and turning it on its head. It's not in a strip club in front of men. It's with other women. It's honoring the sensual, you know, and that's what sensual movement was back in the ages of like, you know, belly dance. And it was about birthing and moving in hip circles and helping you birth, helping you, you know, helping your ovulation. There's something so powerful about, oh my God, that movement. Winston, come here, come here, come here. Let me just show you what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Oh my God, so cute. Did I answer the question? Yeah, no, it's not really okay. a question. It's more of just, you know, right, a dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I just I just find it so interesting. You know, even the objectification, it's funny. I, I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but I was listening to the radio and this woman, uh, this guy had told this woman that she was beautiful or sexy or something. And she was like, I don't like when people call me that because uh, that means you're just looking at my outside. You know, like you're not, you're not taking into account who I am. And it's so strange how like in this women's movement that we're in right now, it's almost like men don't really know how to behave and to act. And, and they don't, you know, yeah. and I don't think we know how we want them to be either. Cause there are moments where I'm like, well, I want you to tell me I'm sexy and I want you to keep your eyes to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a very confusing world for men too. I say this all the time. It's not just for women. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that they are losing a little bit of their power, like you say, with the patriarchy. And I say all the time that men are men as a general statement you know, are scared of women, are scared of women's bodies, scared of what it can do to them and, and, you know, the power that it holds. And the more we grasp onto that power and live in that power, there's going to be a big change in the world. Yes. Yeah. And it's happening. I mean, I can feel it happen. I think in our children's generation and the, and the generation after that, there's going to be some big changes as far as like leadership and, you know, it's starting now, but it's going to take time. And I see the change even in men embracing their feminine qualities as well and seeing yes. a positive thing as well. And instead yes. of sort of turning that away and saying, well, I can't, that's, you know, I can't do that because that's too feminine, you know, yes. they're starting to embrace those characteristics as well. So I think it's a, it's a really great thing for the world too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love yeah. it. Jen, I'm so happy you were on the podcast today. This was an awesome conversation. Thank and- you so much, Jen. I loved talking to you. I'm sorry about my crazy dog barking. It's all good. It's all good. We, we're living real lives here, people. That's right. That's now, right. Where can everybody find you if they want to check out your podcast or check you out on Instagram? Um, I have a website, milfpodcast.com. I also have my um, other website, jennifertracy.com. I'm on Instagram at milfpodcast. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And and you can listen in on iTunes. Anywhere there's a podcast, you can listen to the podcast. Awesome. Definitely go check her out, you guys. And if you are loving this podcast, I would love for you to subscribe, give us a five-star rating and a little review. It would make it uh, easier for women to find us and uh, get the message across to them that uh, you know it's time for us to get our power back. Shamelessly feminine, baby. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen. You guys have a great day and uh, stay fierce. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.